0: I've never looked at being a woman as being a hurdle. I look at it as an opportunity to uh, communicate effectively, an opportunity to pull other people up with me, to have mentors that are females, and be along the chain of, of equity in representing our voices.
1: Welcome to Success Formula, where success is not a monolith. I'm Cole Johnson, ushering the many different paths to success, and my next guest has paved another road to get there. She consults in sustainability, white space analysis, public purpose partnerships, and fast growth businesses. She also is an Amazon policy advocate and a wonderful ball of energy. Ladies and gentlemen, award-winning corporate trainer, national speaker, author, and the CEO of Outfront's brand and spa destinations, Theo Prodramitis. Welcome to Success Formula.
0: Thank you, Cole. I am so excited to be here. This is such an, an exciting opportunity to share with people, reach out, and answer whatever questions you're going to shoot my way.
1: All right. Well, I love a willing guess. That makes it a lot easier. <laughs> All right. All right. So, well, I almost want to ask well, uh, why Theo, but I'll probably ask that later. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, he said Theo, but I'm hearing a woman's voice that, huh? Okay. Interesting. Uh, but I, I, I saw something else that actually caught my eye even quicker than that. So you have a degree in political science. Yes. Yet you have nothing but business accolades and accomplishments. So what is the marriage if there is one between the two?
0: Oh, there's there's a a huge marriage uh, and certainly more recently is that I am part of the National Retail Federation Small Business Advisory Council, and I actually travel to Washington several times a year and advocate on behalf of small businesses so i 've met with the Small Business Committee in Congress, um, individual senators i 'm constantly out in, and advocating for what we need, what will help our businesses grow, and that has been the marriage and the integration of both the business and the political science side.
1: Mm, Okay. Cause I was thinking, all right, now normally when I think poli-sci, I'm thinking, okay, that normally means a person goes down the road of law and then normally into government and politics that normally seems to be the track that I've seen anyone who's done poli-sci or they become a profession, they teach it. Yes. One of those two paths. And I'm like, this does not look like the path that she's gone down. This is interesting. (laughs) It's like, and it's like what you just described. It's like, okay, she's actually using the knowledge of political science to infuse the business stuff that she does. Yes. Like, oh, okay. All right. That is interesting. That is interesting. So I also did notice too, that leapt off the page that you have been a retail person for a lengthy amount of time. So why is retail such a powerful presence in your life?
0: Retail is an is an amazing presence because of the connection, the face to face connection. And if you'll, uh, there's a podcast that also um, that National Retail Federation does, and it really it goes along with my personal brand, connect with Theo, which is all about the ability to see people face to face and connect with them, get their feedback. And it does actually segue right into my launch onto Amazon, believe it or not, which is one of the reasons that I love retail is because, of course, the personal experience. And I, you know, if yeah. it's corny, I'm a people person. I, you know, when I worked for a short time in sort of a silo in a cubicle and I was like a puppy, I saw people. I was like, people, 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 I need some people. And that's how I plug in. To energy, so retail is that kind of environment where you get immediate feedback. You know when a customer's happy. It's also conflict resolution, and it is all about resolving the problem and making it better and making a raving fan out of somebody who might have had an initial negative experience. So I've loved retail, and I've done a variety of uh, had a variety of roles in retail, but segueing back into Amazon. One of the reasons I was attracted and, and gained so much success was because of the customer centric model at Amazon. They take feedback at every step, every step of the way they're asking you, do you like this page? Did you like the product? Do you like the seller? And that's really what it is. My, my uh, sweet spot or, or what I love the most is the connection and communication.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see that. In, in I normally hear that most with uh, the the, the fact of the immediate feedback. Normally I hear that from a person who's a comedian or a person who's a salesperson. Yes. And yeah. And you strikes me, you strike me as having the ability to do both.
0: So (laughs) I was going to say, I've I've certainly been been labeled a little bit of both. I I love to (laughs) infuse happiness and humor into things and, um, the joy of actually communicating because everything can't be perfect. I think one thing that I really loved of not being a digital native, one of the huge benefits people ask me, Oh, you're in marketing. What, what was it like when, you know, transition and now everything's online. Um, Mm -hmm. It's fantastic because there was a shift in authenticity and people saw the show mad men where there were people behind the scenes that were, were making everything just, you know, the way that you were going to see it. And now, with the digital age and communication, brands can actually have an authentic voice. You can actually say things. It doesn't have to be perfect punctuation on, on social. And you can uh, edit things or you can make fun of yourself. And it's brought a real level of authenticity that is more consistent with who I am instead of expecting everything to be. I'm, although I'm extremely driven and professional, I also believe in that that real connection and authenticity that can come from a brand voice. It can come from an individual. Um, and in, in many regards, it comes to life in products, which is, um, I'm sure what you're going to ask me about with the success formula and co authoring Mm -hmm. with Jack Canfield.
1: Right. I certainly am. I will do that a little later. Uh, (laughs) but yeah, just, just the stuff that you have done is just amazing to me. Uh, and I want to tie back in uh, to your Amazon connection here. Yes. Uh, so not only have you spoken on a stage that Amazon has presented, but you also are a policy advocate. So you're not just in front, you're also behind the scenes as well in terms of Amazon. Uh, what is it about that business that intrigues you a lot?
0: It democratizes opportunity. It's mm. a platform That democratizes opportunity because it is available to anybody to uh, set up a seller account and for anybody to add value and to reach millions and millions and millions of customers. That you get to co brand with one of the most trusted brands in the marketplace, Amazon, where they know if you're on that platform, Amazon will back up whatever the sellers do. So you have this cross section of opportunity and access which as a marketer was just a dream so i when i saw what it was and you know i was an early adopter and some of my friends that also owned brands said oh no don't do that that's you know you you know you don't you want to stay away from that and i said oh heck no you can do it (laughs) and you can engage customers you can reach a larger audience and i encourage Um, many, many people that have something valuable to offer to have that as part of your suite. Of course, uh, nothing takes the place of face-to-face brick and mortar, but for the convenience of the customer, always having the customer in mind. If they want something and they want it quicker, they don't have time, cannot go in. So I love Amazon because it democratizes opportunity and it gives anybody the chance to create value in the marketplace and show up.
1: Yes, uh, Jeff Bezos, if you're listening to Theo, (laughs) yes, uh, hire her on your team. She sells your brand perfectly.
0: Uh, Yes, I I, I really feel passionate about it, and it's been a a wonderful opportunity to work on the policy side. And people wonder what that is. And a little deeper dive into that is that Amazon actually shows up in Washington to advocate for small businesses because 50% of the sales on Amazon are going to be conducted by third-party sellers Mm. so they have they they build us up they promote us they're the ones that nominated me for the national retail federation champion of retail award and they really do a great job so i love the opportunity and to take time out of my schedule go to washington advocate for policies that might have to do with sales tax or you know depreciation or some of the nuts and bolts you know uh healthcare all of the issues that face small businesses which really is something I'm passionate about so I love going there and I love partnering with amazon partnering with the national retail federation to raise these issues and believe it or not if anybody hasn't had a chance to meet with their uh, representatives or congressmen they do want to hear your real stories they really want to know what's going on and how do these policies affect you so all they needed to do was invite me and i was on a plane i was ready to go
1: (laughs) well yeah with you being an advocate yeah they could not have picked one better they they really could not have thank you wow so, with this powerful voice that you have, it has spawned you actually to own businesses that you now currently run. Yes. So, what? Uh, so, as you as you all have heard, listener, and this is a woman proud to be one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she's a CEO. So, what are the hurdles? And I know there are many. Yes. In being a woman CEO.
0: Well. I think there are some things that could be considered hurdles, and then there's some things that could be considered opportunities. And the duration of my career, I've never looked at being a woman as being a hurdle. I look at it as an opportunity to uh, communicate effectively, an opportunity to pull other people up with me. To have mentors that are females and be along the chain of, of equity in representing our voices. So, right. if you if I were to say that there's any hurdle, it's just getting enough stages, which I'm we're actively working <laughs> on, for women to be represented in the marketplace and also in the boardroom. Um, so the sheer numbers will tell you that we're not equally represented and Melinda Gates will tell you in in, in a very specific way what the numbers are. So being a woman offers some hurdles or challenges, but it's also offers the opportunity to shine because when you do, in my case, you're recognized inordinately because it is so important to do it and to actually hold your hand both ways up so that somebody can bring me up Mm -hmm. and the other way to pull somebody up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we need to have, and I'm not just saying woman, just people. Yes. We need to have people like you who understand that, who understand it innately. Thank you. So that, yeah, so that we do have better representation and, and there, there needs to be more women who run companies. No question about that. No question about
0: that. And we're getting there, but we need to increase it exponentially. And one of the other concepts that you'll see on my website and some of my material is a Greek concept. It's an ancient Greek concept that sort of runs through our DNA is called philotimo. And it's a Greek word that you can't really translate into English, but there's documentaries on it and all of the, you know, big wig Greek entrepreneurs have, have spoken about it. But what it really means Cole is to, it means actually to do something for the greater good, for the honor And of serving humanity, taking your gifts, in my case, my God-given gifts, and using them for the greater good. So you get to be successful along the way, but there's always the responsibility with great success comes also great responsibility to share and to, it's the love of honor. So it's philotimo, and it's a very complex concept that when you're growing up Greek- (laughs) You definitely have it infused into you when you're going to church, when you're going to visit a friend, if you're doing a charity event, um, at your family parties, when when your 99-year-old uncle is coming and your mother just looks at you sideways and you better run out to the car to help him in. (laughs) It's filotimo. There's no words, Cole. (laughs) No one has to tell me what to do. It's just what's right.
1: Yeah, and and unfortunately, there's a wonderful Greek word for that. With me, it was just called good home training or a slap in the face by my mother or or grandmother.
0: (laughs) Well, Cole, it's the same concept. We just happen to, in Greek, have a a word for it and that it's a way to describe it. But you do, and you see it when you – it's that that factor when you see somebody and they are honoring other human beings. And then I see a lot of memes going around where they say, you know, it's – as important the way you treat the janitor, as you treat the CEO. There's a lot of different ways right. to translate it, but we're in the mm-hmm. human family. And we've come a right. long way in in uh, the, the millennium, uh, mm-hmm. but we still have a long way to go to look at each person and to work on the, our DNA, to see each other and each person's human potential. And that's what I really love to work in that space of creativity, where you can take any situation. And you can see what the potential for greater good, the potential for personal development, for a more fulfilling life, because the facts are against everybody that about, you know, 67 to 85% of people go to work dreading their jobs. So I've got a lot nice. of space to work in.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You have a lot of potential clients too. Wow. <laughs> yes. No question about that. No question about that. Now, now before I get into your contribution to uh, the book, Success Formula, I have to ask you, so why did you want to helm a business that deals with spas?
0: Oh, well, that's a great question. I have the wonderful fortune to have grown up in a family business that served in the professional beauty industry. So that I started at the age of 14 um, of, you know, putting together huge beauty shows and just the love of of making people feel good and have a lot of experience in every different facet there when I got married fast forward to that and and I slowed down on my travel I was a national sales trainer and was traveling all over the world and I indulged in every spa and every service I (laughs) loved it. I was you know just the the greatest advocate for pampering yourself. And then when reality set in and I have these beautiful kids and, you know, I had three children in a very short time and it just wasn't feasible for me to go to the spa, the time, the energy, um, I created my own line that Spa Destinations was designed to create the at-home spa experience so that you could enjoy luxury every day. And so now if I didn't have an hour to drive someplace to sit, to have a cup of green tea And to have a facial and a massage and all of that, I still have five, ten minutes in the shower that could be more luxurious and more enhanced. So it's taking everyday experiences and making them more luxurious because we need to recharge our batteries. And that's why I created uh, with my co-founder, who is my brother. Spa destinations. He's a beauty industry expert in many other uh, ways, in operations, in um, all of the the back end of the business. And it was a perfect marriage because we had the concept, wanted people to take more time for themselves, and spa destinations was born. Mm.
1: That does not surprise me that that is why you got into it. You you do you seem to have a a knack for wanting to have people. Just have fun in life. So yes. yeah, that does not surprise me at all. Uh, what also is, uh, is of note to me is that with these businesses that you helm, both with spa destinations and out fronts, you seem, you seem to, you seem to employ partnerships in business. So how important is partnerships in corporations?
0: Well, that that's a fantastic question. And it's almost as if you heard my speech at the UN because I talked about it. My father and mother were both entrepreneurs. And very early, my father had one of the first automated car washes in New York. And his concept was he took neighborhood families and he made them partners. So I learned it very early on mm. that the better And the more strategic your partners were, the greater your success would be, and the more fun it would be, because then everybody is invested in your success. And I have always believed that, and I know that people that have matching integrity or the matching intentions in the marketplace benefit tremendously from those kind of partnerships. So I've just brought that into every business that I'm in. And um, it's really successful, and it it helps exponentially. That's the way, that's the key, I think. Cole, that was a great question. Is there's exponential growth when you create those strategic partnerships?
1: That is a great sage point right there. Wow, that yeah, that Thank you. That, is, that is that is great. That is great to know. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's a nugget I got to file it within my own personal memory bank. Now you mentioned family with with the uh, spa destinations. You of course you co owned it with your brothers. Yes. Now in the book Success Formula, you talk about the birth of your first child being a pivot point. Yes. Now besides the gift of your child, what resulted from said pivot point?
0: Oh. <laughs> perspective in life, uh, ego in check um, <laughs> oh, you know yes. everything it was suddenly um, this epiphany as if I, I, I really felt great about myself at the particular point but it' it it gave me a chance to really get outside of myself and to check everything that I said and did. I always had great intentions but it really is a mirror. Having a child is a pivot point because it's a mirror of asking that deeper question. It's not good enough to just do something. It's you really have to check yourself and say, why am I doing this? How will it be interpreted? And it's just something that, you know, is a natural part of parenthood. And I think it's a great gift.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I do think it's a great gift. Uh, And whenever we we get that perspective it's amazing how how we get more in touch with ourselves when we have that perspective brought upon us when it's you know when i guess you have the focus no longer being fully yourself when you're living for yourself yes now you're living for somebody else yes and it's it's amazing how the persp- it's it's amazing how the perspective changes in that person and how they act and what they think and how they move because the the motivations are totally different.
0: Absolutely. And there is also um, a calmness that comes Mm -hmm. with it that I have just really remember. Now I'm thinking back since you asked that question to that pivot point. And Mm -hmm. it is a calmness that is a confidence that you, you have a, I don't know if you have arrived but it's more like you are present and that is enough.
1: Right. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's important for all of us to know that that we are all enough. Yes. How we are, how we're created, we're all enough. And yes, to have an to have an event such as, well, as monumental as the birth of your first child, to have that reminder, yeah. That 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 is that is the cycle which should result.
0: Absolutely, and the human potential is so limitless that there are different pivot points for. So, for people who don't have children and that now are thinking maybe they don't relate to this, it doesn't have to be the birth of a child. It could be right. um, caring for an elderly parent or uh, right. you know getting married. Any any mm-hmm. particular point where now your connection to somebody else and there there's something that supersedes just what you're driving for is a life enhancing. And part of the work that I do in public speaking and working even with large corporations with the entrepreneurial spirit within organizations, because people don't have to own their own business to have that spark and that spunk and love right. going to work. They can take their creativity and ideas and all the concepts that um, are live in entrepreneurship and actually enhance the quality of their life because they're, they're reaching their potential. They're digging deep. They're, they're feeling like they're heard seen mm-hmm. and that they're worthy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that is really important, not just in business but in life. Yes. <laughs> that is vastly important. Uh, and speaking of importance, you mentioned in in the success formula, the long game. So why do you think it's important for businesses to play the long game?
0: Oh, I love this question. You, you <laughs> you're like one of my favorite interviewers ever that the long game is crucial because the decisions we make on a day-to-day basis for instant gratification usually are, uh, for a lack of better ways to say it, spastic. <laughs> they're spastic mm-hmm. people yes. trying to make, oh, click on this, do paper click do this. Mm-hmm. And the clients that I have worked with over time, um, whether they're large or small, can even, because they, they want that instant gratification, but always taking a deep breath and maybe that's analogous to the, you know, the birth of a child is it's the long game. It is Mm -hmm. the fact that all of those small decisions do not have to net the immediate result. You can build and you need some uh, strategies that are more aggressive and, you know, that you need middle, top, and lower sustainable um, activities. And that's why I talk about the long game because a lot of times people will see the end result of somebody whose product you know, is going crazy and they're totally successful, but they haven't seen what the steps are and they want to skip that middle part. Mm. But this is really a long game. If you're going to be in product development and you're going to own a product or a brand or service, um, I really challenge people to do it for the long game because if it doesn't, it isn't comprised of what you love to do and what gets you up in the morning, then that payoff you think is going to, really serve you of money or fame or whatever it is, isn't going to be as great as you think it is. And I have worked with billionaires Mm -hmm. and believe me, when they, when they get there on the journey, they will be often the first ones to say, um, I wish I enjoyed the journey more. I wish I looked at the long game, even though they've done all the things right. And they've ended up in that seat that people think they're going towards. What I advocate is in the long game loving every step of the way and not being so thrown off when things don't go the way you expect it's experience and, you know, reframing failure to experience because it is required for you to, you know, push past past that barrier that is often based on fear sometimes the barrier is based on pushback from your family sometimes the barrier is based on being too early to the marketplace so the long game is one of the most key concepts in my chapter in the success formula
1: yeah and when i what i when i said when i when i read that the long game i'm like wow so this definitely harkens to enjoying journeys like you said yes And, and, and that's the immediate feeling I got when I read that. I was like, wow. Yes. So she's saying, even in business, you've got to enjoy the journey. Just like in life, that's what we're supposed to do. In business, you're supposed to enjoy the journey too. And, and, and like what you said in dealing with billionaires who got to quote the success point, close quote. Yeah. They would, they would look back and say, man, you know, I, I was, I was just such in grind mode getting to this point that and and i, I don't think that, well you may have heard them say this but i sort of get the feeling that they would say you know i i don't even enjoy being at this point in my life as much because i didn't enjoy getting here
0: yes there are some and, that actually that actually will be really forthright and and say that there's many many of some of the su- most successful people that you know that will they're they're looking saying is this it <laughs> Yeah. Is this all there is? I looking back at the, at the road and saying, yeah, but what about those times? They always tell those grit stories, which I have as well about the time when, you know, we got, you know, we did a promotion and we clicked something wrong and we gave away the product instead of having a discount on it. And then we had to pull all of our friends and family in and pack the products because we were understaffed, you know, those grit stories of where, you know, the real, when you first start out and, so they get so animated and excited when they talk about those and then they talk about their, you know, quarterly earnings or whatever. And it's like, they're, you know, not as excited because the part that is different if you're comparing the two, of course it's wonderful to employ thousands of people and it's wonderful to, right. you know, whatever level of success. But the stories that I hear are really the most exciting when people talk about how they collaborated with a small group of people and they, they rode in the same direction and they got it done.
1: Mm. Yeah. 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 And and I have talked to some who, who feel that way and have actually said, said to me, yeah, uh, (laughs) because now I'm in the, Embryonic stages of building my own business. They would actually say to me, yeah, enjoy this part right now. Please enjoy it because you will lament if you don't. The, <laughs> when you get there, you'll lament not enjoying it. So yeah, uh, that is wonderful. That's wonderful. Now you also touch on manufacturing and, and I, I, I sort of, I, I sort of feel this, uh, shark tank vibe when I, when I, Saw it, so I just want to know, in your opinion, uh, which is better for business: uh, manufacturing that resides in the United States or manufacturing that's overseas?
0: Well, that's a loaded, loaded question. <laughs> I'm, I'm choking on my coffee on that one. Saying is this uh, is this a um, Meet the Press? Uh, because in my experience. I recommend domestic manufacturing for several different reasons. And most of that is predicated on control of your supply chain. And certainly there are great global options and I have nothing against global manufacturing, but in my experience, especially as uh, predicated in the chapter from nowhere to now here, when people are bringing products to market, when you have feet on the ground and you can, go to the facility. You can partner with them. You can make changes and nuances and there's no communication gap. There's a lot of benefits to domestic manufacturing. And I'm a huge advocate of products that are made in the USA.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I I am too, just, just from the standpoint of more than just patriotic pride. Yes. But, you know, uh, but I really do feel as though you you're dealing with, especially in this country, you're dealing with people who just deal with pride themselves in something. And I think, I think if they see the "Made in the USA" label on something that's made here, yes, uh, it's sort of it's like a reflection on them. It's like, wow, I'm getting something that I believe I created, and they may not have had a hand in building it at all, but it's like this. This is mine, and it's like it, it's almost it's like the manufacturer saying to the the customer, "You have a part in this too." Yes, and and I love that. I I, I love that that feeling. And, and and reason why I said Shark Tank question is because <laughs> it 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 seems like every time I see that show, they always have this they they always have this tug of war saying. Well, business wise, it's much better if you manufacture this overseas because of prices. And I'm thinking, okay, well, fine. If you go bottom line in that realm, I could totally understand that. However, th- this, this is a, this is a proud country. So I don't know if, especially with some, some entrepreneurs, but definitely with a lot of customers, I don't know if that actually plays as much of
0: a role. Absolutely. Now, I think you're exactly yeah. right in that. At different scales, uh, first, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd make the comment that any shark can say that because they right. have the buying power. If you ask them day one, that mm-hmm. you, that uh, if that was the case. Now, they have the name, the clout, and the buying power that if they're associated with anything, and it's the ma- and it's manufactured overseas, they're going to get the best price. They're going to get the best quality. They're going to get people jumping for their business because of the upside potential. Smaller businesses, and I have extensive experience in this realm as being the liaison for manufacturing in other countries, and some of the pitfalls will be that they put you on their timeline. They, if they don't meet a quality control issue and they print something upside down, they don't understand intrinsically, or in this particular case, I don't say a broad base, but it can happen that there's a lack of communication of how that won't sell because of the cultural differences. So there's a lot of benefits um, when you're starting up to domestic manufacturing. And I don't think everything is about price. I think we can, we can forge innovation in the U S when we have a higher demand. It's just a balance that if the manufacturers had higher demand for products made here in those realms that have, you know, very inexpensive manufacturing abroad. Um, And it's also what standard, you know, you can market yourself as, as a, uh, as a discount brand or as a quality brand. And if you want to be in the quality space, you're going to have to, you're going to have to control your manufacturing and be on site and be able to back up what you say it is.
1: Hmm. Yeah. What what a business should do all, (laughs) all along. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Now what I, what I've seen in the, the, uh, the, the uh, chapter in, success formula for you and your business offerings brand I, I see this marriage from from a particular standpoint now you mentioned brands standing out and in different ways that they can so in the fact that you have this extensive experience with building brands what in your opinion makes a brand stand out
0: what makes a brand stand out it's it's very one absolute undeniable fact is authenticity from start to finish and the culture of the business that you build growing from that. So for example, um, with spa destinations, people that know me know my origin story is true because they know me. I traveled all over the world. I went to every spa. Then I know I'm an, you know, obviously expert in product formulations in the professional beauty space and have every content. So the origin story is true. It's the authenticity that, makes a brand stand out and then telling your story in multiple places and taking control of that brand voice and just being really honest and saying, try this and building from, from very small, even if you have, you know, two customers or if you launch, so it makes a brand stand out is the authenticity and some of the larger brands are, are great at it. Dove is one of them and they basically, you know, key in on the emotion of you know pure of you know throw like a girl punch like a girl they, they key into right. um, that authentic voice and that you can own a space in someone's heart so it makes brands stand out when they have a, a rich story that has to do with the the hero in the journey is the customer it is not the brand so when you focus, that lens on them, make them the hero in the journey that you are going to go on with them. That makes a brand stand out.
1: Wow. And all of what you've said makes you stand out so, so big. And I could continue this conversation (laughs) forever. Unfortunately, I know that you have to run, so do I. So where can the people find you and the products that you do.
0: Well, thank you. Yes, they can find me at uh, Connect with Theo. So connectwiththeo.com. And that's all of my information about the brands that I offer in public speaking and everything. And then, of course, on social, Connect with Theo on Facebook and Instagram and Theo Theoprodromitis.com otherwise but all the links are right there on my website i'd love to engage and hear from people they just want to drop me an email and say hey i heard the podcast and thought this or what about this um that's what makes me tick
1: yeah. well you heard it from the woman's mouth here <laughs> award-winning corporate trainer national speaker author and ceo of our brand and spa destinations theo prodramitis thank you so much theo thank you cole And that concludes Success Formula. I am Cole Johnson reminding you that success is not just a destination or a journey. It's a way of life. See you at the top.